So in Psalm 86, uh, God's grace is sufficient to uh, meet our need and we should respond by giving Him glory and trusting His very word. Psalm 86 is a prayer that King David uh, prayed when he was in trouble. Um, after asking uh, for God's protection at the beginning of Psalm uh, verse 2. Uh, David later tells us what kind of trouble uh, he was in. He, he, he says that arrogant people had attacked him and, and that a gang of ruthless men was out to kill him in verse uh, 17. So this psalm reminds us of our greatest need as well as our greatest uh, source of hope. The grace of God. And that is our title for this message. It is uh, the grace of God. Uh, Christians talk about uh, God's grace all, all the time. I mean, and rightly so. So it, it is the basis for every blessing we have in Christ, including our salvation. As we have read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, and chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 1 through uh, 10. However, there's a danger of uh, becoming so familiar with the term grace. Um, you know, some of you have named your, uh, your daughter Grace, right? And again, if we're not careful uh, with the way we use this term grace, that we lose any sense of wonder uh, of what the Bible actually teaches about God's grace. Uh, the fact that a God who is perfectly holy, uh, who is righteous and just, uh, would show favor to undeserving sinners like us should never cease to amaze us. And it should shape the way we relate to God and to the world around us. So this is where Psalm 86 has so much to, to teach us. So we'll consider three important ways um, God's grace should uh, shape the lives of His people. The first thing I want us to look at is this. In verses 1 through 7, we, we rely on God's grace to meet our needs. We rely on God's grace to meet our needs. So if you turn your Bible once again to Psalm 86, 1 through 7, and this is what it says. Listen to the prayer of King David for our first point. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Listen to verse 3. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. Listen to his prayer. We, we rely on God's grace to meet our 
needs. In the midst of his trouble, King David cries out to God for help in verses 3 and 6 because he, he knows God's grace and mercy are sufficient to meet his needs. These verses are surrounded by certain other petitions for God's grace and mercy. For example, David asked Ask God to hear him, to preserve him, to save him, unite his heart, to gladden his soul, give him strength, teach him, turn to him, and, and show him favor. That's what David's, uh, what he asked for. He, that's what his petition for, for God's grace and his mercy. And David is asking for all of this thing, not, not because he deserves them, but because he, he needs them from a gracious God. If you look at verse 2, verse 2 can be a little confusing to, to some people. It, it almost sounds like David is saying he, he deserves God's blessing because why? Because he is faithful. David is, is essentially saying, preserve my life for I belong to you as a part of your covenant people. We might say it in this way, God, I, I, I am your child and I need you. In the next verse, David cries out for God's grace, which he knows he, he doesn't uh, deserve. This is the picture of grace that we all are familiar with, uh, that's, that's all over the scripture. God's grace is this, it's his goodness expressed towards sinners who do not deserve his goodness. In fact, this is the central message of of the Bible. Every person is a sinner who deserves holy judgment from God. If we receive what we deserve, then we would all be in hell right at this very moment. Thankfully, God is gracious and He has sent uh, His Son, Jesus Christ. As we have celebrated Christmas this past week, I trust that you had a wonderful celebration with your family and you got the gifts that perhaps that you wanted or you, you needed. But one thing I want us to remind of as we have looked at last Sunday in regards to why Christ was born for this very reason and that God sent His Son to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. So therefore, anyone in the world who turns from his sin and, and, and cries out for grace from God through Jesus Christ, listen, can be forgiven of all his or her sins and reconciled to God now on earth and as well as forever in heaven. You see, this kind of grace totally transforms the way we live as well as our desires. Like David, we begin to pray, teach me your way, Lord, I will live by your truth. And the good news of the Bible is that God wants to give this grace to us. You see, this is why when we think about how we end year 2020, and as we look ahead of year 2021, I want us to be reminded of the good news of the Bible, is that God wants to grant us His grace. 
His amazing grace. You see, sometimes we fall into the error of thinking we can pay God uh, back His, His grace. However, uh, the Christian life is not Jesus giving His life for you, then, then uh, paying Him back with your money and time and even with your talents. See, as soon as you try to pay Jesus back for all He has done for you, you, you are undercutting the foundation of grace that saved you in the first place. It's not grace if you pay it back. You see, many Christians have fallen into the error of thinking their church attendance and Bible reading and prayer, even their offerings, their tithes, are somehow going to pay Jesus back. You know, it's kind of like a monthly mortgage. You see, that misses the point if you have that mindset and thinking in regards to how I need to pay Jesus back. You see, Jesus did not just give you life in the past. He's giving you life at this very moment, right now. Every good thing in your life right now is because Jesus, by His grace, is giving it to you. When you realize this, it changes the way you live. You look at verse 5. Read verse 5. I mean, I mean, it's such a beautiful passage. For only God can truly forgive. Listen to that. For only God can truly forgive. Abounding in love to all who call to you. God's, God's great love, this, this loyalty is always available to those who sincerely call upon Him. You see, this praise anticipates its full use um, in verse 15. As the psalmist will allude and quote Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. If you turn your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6 and 7, and this is what it says. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Church, I want us to be reminded as we move to the next section of this passage before us in how God is a forgiving God. You see, this is what grace looks like. That only God can truly forgive. First John chapter 1 verse 9 reminds us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So what's holding you back of coming and running towards God and enjoying the very grace that He gives to each and one of us? This is what grace is. It is, it is something that we, that we do not deserve. I'm not talking about the gifts that you received last week or these past few days. Not the stuff that you want or that you did not deserve. Perhaps some of you, oh, I don't deserve this. Right? But I want you to think more of that. Not the stuff, but how God gave His Son 
for very purpose that, that he was born to die for our sins. Remind yourself daily that only God can truly forgive of your sins. That it is available. It's available for those who sincerely call upon Him. It is my prayer that you will call upon Christ at this very moment. So the second thing I want us to look at in verses 8 through 13 is we respond to God's grace by declaring His glory. We respond to God's grace by declaring His glory. Starting on verse 8, and this is what the Word of God says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Again, church, we respond to God's grace by declaring His glory. Man, what a, what a great picture for us. 1 Corinthians 10.31 reminds us, whether you eat or drink, we do all things for His what? For His glory. Right? We, we, we exist for His glory. I'm reminded of this post, man's chief end is to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. So we respond to God's grace by declaring His glory. So some people view God's grace as a reason to treat sin casually. But this distorts Scripture's teaching. See, those who rightly understand and receive God's grace desire to praise Him. Listen again. Right? If you truly understand, if you have a right understanding that you have received the grace of God... You should be praising God in your life, glorifying Him, Him in everything. See, this is what we see in verses 8 through 13. A, a new section of petitions uh, begins in which David declares that there is no God like his God in verse 8 and 10. In light of God's supremacy, honor, and, and glory be belong exclusively to Him. This was not only true for Israel, but also uh, for all the nations God had made in verse 9. You see, David acknowledged God's supremacy over all creation and all the peoples of the world. In verse 11, David's desire to glorify God went beyond his words. He, he wanted his life to reflect the same truth. In the midst of this many requests for deliverance from his ever-present enemies, there is a remarkable stanza in which David also prays that God will teach him his way and give him an undivided heart in verses 11 through 13. Listen, this is the key to David's greatness. 
most of us, when we pray, are concerned about deliverance and help and guidance and such things. Right? I mean, I could testify to that. I mean, when I was, when I was going through my COVID, this, this virus, right? I would pray that God would deliver me. That God would sustain me. That God would help me. Right? But, but listen to King David's prayer. This is the key to David's greatness. But we're not nearly as concerned to be thought God's way and, and to be helped to serve Him with an undivided heart. In other words, we, we want the blessings of salvation without the duties. We, we want prosperity and personal safety while we nevertheless go our own way. David, David was not like this. He, he, he knew his heart, how prone he, he was to wonder from God. But he also knew he, he needed to go in God's way if he was to prosper uh, spiritually. So he asked, he asked God for this great blessing. In verse 11, the way of God. The way of God is a path that he, he wants us to take. It embraces all of life. You see, David will walk in God's truth. Right? He will trust this worthiness. Listen, church, instruction is not merely for information. It is for obedience. You see, what we've been studying all this time, the scripture, the very word of God. It, it, this instructions, this, this exhortation is not merely for, for information. It is for obedience. This obedience, however, is not depressing. As King David asked God, you unite, meaning make single my, my heart versus a, a, a divided heart. To, says to fear, to be, to be in awe of your name. That is, in your presence. See, when God unites my heart, obeying Him is my, is my joy. When God unites my heart, obeying Him is, is my joy. As it stands, this is a commitment. If, if you have a prayer... For 2021. May verse 11 be that. I mean, you look at this commitment, which is really good. But the psalmist is not merely making a promise. The context suggests that walking in God's truth, walking in His truthfulness, in His faithfulness, in His fidelity, is an end greatly to be, to be desired. Listen. Again, church, this is what walking in God's truth. It, it, it is something that you greatly desire. I hope that is your prayer that you will continue to desire God in your life. Not the things of this world. Because the things of this world will fade. Will vanish. May we be known as people of God who greatly desire Him. That we will do everything in our utmost to live a holy life. To, to live faithfully. This is my prayer for me. 
uh, as God enables me to look for 2021 and live 2021 and that God will teach me his way. Listen to what David says, teach me your way in order that I may walk in your truth. I love David's prayer here. That I may walk in your truth. This is what he wanted to do. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. With singleness of purpose, with a united heart, he, he would reverence uh, the Lord. This is the center of the psalm. This is the context of this psalm. It, it, it is about that having a united heart. If, if you turn your Bible to the book of James, chapter 1. James chapter 1. The, the idea of a, a divided heart is like the double-minded man. Uh, when you read the book of James, chapter 1, starting on verse 5. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and, uh, and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in, in all his ways. You see, there James says that one must ask wisdom from God in faith, not doubting. Or, or else the double-minded man will be unstable in all he does. That's a challenge before us. Why we're asking God for wisdom about this thing in our lives. Whatever it may be, we're asking God for wisdom. One thing that James encourages us here in chapter 1. It's not to doubt God, but rather to walk by faith. It's to receive that wisdom from God in faith. See, David asked for an undivided heart to, to fear God because he knows how easy it is to, to have a divided loyalty between God and other things. See, money is one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks. According to Jesus, your heart will either um, belong to money or to God. For where your treasure is, finish the sentence, there your heart will be also. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. If you want to know where your heart is, then look at where you spend your money. Or, or, or on the other hand, a heart that is in love with God will live for God and His glory. That's an encouragement for us. When, when you and I look at and analyze where our heart is, that when you and I are truly in love with God, and that we will live for Him and we will live for His glory. See, the main reason we see God's grace is not to make life easier or to impress others. We ask for grace because we are needy and because God alone deserves our praise and our honor and glory. Again, here's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. That's our call. 
And that has to mean a lot to us as children of God. In verses 12 to 13, the desire to know God's way because he wanted to live it, live it precedes his commitment. It says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. His praise will reflect that joy. It will reflect the gratitude that are His. Because God has shown him the way. It will also be an expression of thanks for the deliverance from death that God had at some time granted or would grant to, to him. And for our last point, in the final section of this psalm, verses 14 through 17, listen to his prayer in verse 14 through 17. O oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not see you before them. But you, O oh Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. See, in the final section of this psalm, in verses 14 through 17, King David asked for deliverance from those seeking to kill him in verse 14. Once again, David grounds his appeal in God's, in God's grace in verse 15. It says, But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Again, you kind of look back in the book of Exodus chapter 34 as we have read that earlier on. See, God has the disposition and the power to what? To help. He's compassionate and gracious, long-suffering or patient. He is full of mercy, right? That's His covenant love or loyalty or even faithfulness. This knowledge about the attributes of God was for the psalmist an inheritance from Moses in Exodus 34. When chaos sets in, it is God who is certain and consistent. So David, David rests in who God is. So it's important for us, for you, to, to study the attributes of God. You know, make that your goal this year to learn more about the attributes of God. When you are going through difficulties and challenges and um, hardships in your life, see, those attributes, those characteristics of God will just come alive. When you think about the faithfulness of God, when you think about the truthfulness of God, when you think about the mercy and the grace of God, and that He is all-knowing, that He is all-powerful, you need to know those things. Not, not when you are in the midst of your trials. Not in the midst of your difficulty. Study them now. Study who God is. Don't be satisfied with five minute devotional studies. Go beyond five minutes. Meditate upon the truth of God. Know Him for who He is. 
It's so important for you to know who God is. So make your goal this, this coming year, once again, to do what? To read His Word. To be in His Word. To meditate on His Word. To chew on it. Right? Because when difficulties, when trials come, you, 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 the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will remind you of its truth. Don't wait for those, for those times to come. Learn it now. Chew on it now. Think about it now. Like again, here as we see, David rests in who he is, and who God is. However, it's also worth noting how David ends his appeal for God's glory. It's not simply that, that he wants to save his own skin, though, though he certainly hopes to escape death. David wants his enemies to see God's hand at work and, and be put to shame in verse 17. In other words, David wants his enemies to see the supremacy of God. That's, that sounds like John Piper, right? It's always about the supremacy of God, the glory of God. So in verse 16 and 17, the psalm closes with a final petition, thus indicating that until now there has been no change in the psalmist's condition. But there, there has been no loss of confidence and his hope is constant in his request uh, to God for, uh, for to God he is specific, directing his petition to his immediate uh, needs. Basically, David desires some indication, token, or even a sign that God has turned his attention to the plight of his servants. Says, turn to me. Since we know, Lord, that you are merciful to the poor and needy. I, I admit that I am poor and needy. Have mercy on me. We, we know, Lord, of your unfailing love and, and faithfulness to those who would walk in your way. David says, I am your servant. Grant, grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maid servant. This may mean I am servant even as my mother was before me. Save me for my sake and for her sake. Such a response on God's part would not only be a gracious act, it would also serve as a testimony to the evil ones who had sought his, his life. I want you to Pay close attention to the manner of address of the psalmist as he offers his prayer to the Lord. Suggests that there is one who is, he is no stranger in his conversation with God. Listen, he is apparently one speaking on terms with the Lord. Notice the very personal manner of his speaking when, with such expressions. Hear and answer me. Your servant, I call to you all day long. I lift up my soul, your way, your truth, and others. There is nothing here to suggest any abstract thoughts about God. And no concern for philosophy of prayer. Rather, it is the intimate unburdening of the heart and soul of a servant of God speaking in a straightforward manner. Emboldened by his twofold awareness of the power of God and the, and the love and mercy of God. Such a prayer is a reflection of an undivided heart, a, a sure and steadfast faith. 
You see, that's the kind of communication, that's the kind of communion that you and I need before a holy God. Right? There is nothing for us to hide, but everything is before the Lord. There is that personal relationship when you are praying to a holy God and worshiping in such a way. So let me close with four points of application. Uh, the grace of God is, is such a tremendous and all-embracing theme that it applies to virtually every area of life. There are four applications that we cannot afford to miss. The first thing I want us to look at is this. Number one, we need grace if we are to be saved. We need grace if we are to be saved. This, this can never be said enough simply because we do not think this way naturally. We think in terms of justice, supposing ourselves to be, what, deserving. But we are not deserving. If we are to be saved, we must plead, uh, 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 we must plead for God's grace. Israel needed grace. Moses and David needed grace. You and I need grace. Apart from grace, we will what? We will perish. So number one, we need grace if we are to be saved. Number two, God is a God of grace. Here's the good news. God is a God of grace, truly. He is also a God of justice and wrath. Sin will be punished. The wrath of God will be made known along with His great uh, attributes. But God emphasizes grace. He offers grace. To find grace, we must come to Him on the basis of the shed blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died to be our Savior. See, the grace of God is seen at the cross of the Savior more than any other place. It is the ultimate expression of grace and the means by which God saves. Number three, we can appeal to grace. The grace of God is not compelled in any way, otherwise it would not be grace. But that does not suggest that we cannot appeal to it. We, we, we can. The, the scriptures are full of such appeals. Our, our psalm is one great example. The, the scriptures even tells us that it is through appeals to grace that grace may be found. Remember the tax collector in Jesus' story. He, he knew he was a sinner. So, he did not come to God to remind God of, of his uh, ethical attainments, as the Pharisees did. He, he stood at a distance and would not even look up to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast, a sign of genuine remorse or repentance, and prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus' judgment was that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. May that be our prayer today. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What a great prayer, a humble prayer before a holy God. You see, for everyone who exhausts himself will be humbled, and, and he who humbles himself will be exalted in Luke 18, verse 13 and 14. So who are those who receive grace? 
There are those who ask God for it. There are those who turn from their own self-sufficiency and trust Christ, trust Jesus. This is the only way the children of God are made known. It is for us to come to acknowledge that we need the grace of God. <coughs> Number four, we can proclaim God's grace to others. We can proclaim God's grace to others. You see, God's grace, God is sovereign in salvation. Amen? He has grace on whom He was to have grace and has, and has compassion on whom He was to have compassion. But God is also a gracious God and, and there's nothing in the Bible to hinder us from saying this as forcefully as we can. His very name is Grace. Because His name is grace, we can assure others that if they will come to Him through faith in Jesus Christ, which is, which is how He has made His mercy, His grace possible, as well as no, to make it known, they will find it. See, God has never turned a deaf ear to one who has truly asked for grace. He has never rejected who has believed on Jesus Christ. If a person believes and comes to Christ, he will find God, she will find God to be exactly what the Bible declares him to be. The merciful God who has reached out to save many through his Son, he will hear and he will save you. And may this be an opportunity for you to consider the grace of God in your life. And we have an opportunity as well as believers, as followers of Christ, to proclaim this grace to others. If you are watching at this very moment and you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, may you consider God's greatest gift in your life, His Son, His dear Son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sin, that you may have life that you may experience through everlasting life with Him alone. He is your hope. Perhaps you've been considering this the last couple of weeks or even months in where you are in your relationship with Christ. Acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Turn back from those sins that does not please God. Wherever you are, as you're watching, as you're listening to this, may you see God alive evermore. Because God has never turned a deaf ear to one who has truly asked for grace. He has never rejected anyone who has believed on His Son, Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. When you think about where your life is, think about acknowledging and considering and contemplating the very grace of God. You know, one thing, uh, one thing I've reflected the last couple of days 
One thing I truly appreciate is the grace of God for granting me salvation. Right? Surviving this virus in my body, understanding it is the very gift of God. May you know Him. Whatever trials or difficulties or challenges that you, that you are facing at this very moment as you're listening to this, as you're hearing this, humble yourself before a holy God. He is the only one that can save you from hell. And hell is real. We do not know when our life will end. But know this, when your life is in Jesus Christ, when you have confessed your sins and repented of your sins, that He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And that's what life is in Jesus Christ. If, you're, if you want to live a, a life that is full, and that can only happen with Christ in your heart. And live for Him. And for those who have acknowledged Christ as Savior and Lord, do not neglect this grace. Remind yourself of the grace of God in your life. Not just there when, you, when God opened your heart, when you received His salvation, when you started walking with Him. If there's no joy in your life, if there's no excitement in your life being a, being a follower of Christ, and then there's something definitely wrong. Look back to verse 11 in, in what King David had prayed for. And what David desired, greatly desired in his life. It, it is to know Him. To live for Him. It reminds me of Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Even in His death. Paul's desire was to know God. To live for Christ. See, we don't know what 2021 would look like. Yes, we're still in the midst of this pandemic. We're still in the midst of this virus. But know for certain. Walk with Him. Repent of, of your desire to live for yourself. But to know Christ intimately this coming year and the years to come as He wills in your life. Oh, may that be your prayer. And I want to end with this in, in, verse, in verse 11. To, to know Him to, to apply His truth in our lives. We, we need God's grace in order to have a right relationship to Him. Our God and will answer our prayers. Don't give up. You know, one thing that we learn in, in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 1. Not to give up, but keep on praying, trusting God. Total submission to the Lord is the foundation of, of true hope. May you, may you truly surrender your life to Jesus Christ. 
today. Don't wait any longer. Tomorrow is not promise. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Think about now. Think about, do I have a right relationship with God? How important is my relationship with God right now? Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we are totally dependent upon you. You alone is our God. May we trust in you and only you. God, you are so good. You are faithful, you are forgiving, and you are more ever faithful to us. You are merciful to us. Lord, teach, teach us. Teach me. Teach your people to walk in your ways, as King David had prayed. God, may that be our desire, our greatest desire is to, that you would teach us to walk in your ways, to walk in your truth. That we will not be satisfied, Lord, until we are walking in your truth. So, Father, we pray that you would give us, that you would give us an undivided heart of faith and allegiance to you and to you alone. Not to the things of the world. Not to the gods of this world. But Lord, that we would be faithful in following you. No matter how difficult life can be, no matter how challenging life can be, that Lord, that you would help us to be faithful in every step of the way. That we would not give up. Lord, that you grant us the strength. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to live an undivided life. That only you alone, God. God, as we end our year, as this is the last Sunday of 2020, we, we look forward, Father, may that be our desire to look ahead. To look ahead of the, the coming year. Not with dread. But Lord, that we would look ahead of the new year, the upcoming year. We're trusting you and obeying you with all of our hearts, mind, and strength. With all of our will. God, this is my prayer for Resolve Bible Church. That they would walk faithfully before you. That they would trust you. And so Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. We thank you for this prayer, these petitions of King David. So indeed, Lord, teach us your ways. We'll give you praise and we thank you for this time. In the presence of our Savior Jesus Christ, we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen.